As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. Welcome to 5001 The Athletics Leicester City Podcast. I'm Rob Tanner. Joining me as ever is former Leicester City captain legend and my co-host, Matt Elliott. How are you, Matt? Have you thawed out from last night? <laughs> I've, I'd only just thawed out from the weekend and then last night's game came round and and the frost set in again, didn't it? It was horrendous, Rob, wasn't it? Horrendously oh, cold. And, absolutely. Uh, ever grateful that it didn't go to extra time, put it that way. Well, I think everybody was, and uh, certainly I think Kletchi Nacho summed up how everybody felt when he scored the last-minute winner to warm us all up, or certainly the Leicester City uh, contingent, and uh, and said afterwards, but nobody wanted to go to extra time. It was that cold, but uh, thankfully he come up with that that late winner, and if and from a set piece as well, short corner routine. Now we haven't seen Leicester City be particularly uh, effective on set pieces, either defending or attacking, but they come up trumps last night, Matt. Well, that, that's an understatement of the season, Rob, isn't it, really? <laughs> like you say, defensively and even even more prominently, like attacking-wise, they have struggled. But uh, I, I don't think it was just the Leicester contingent that were happy. I, I think the way that Brighton defended, that some of their defenders were happy to get on the bus and get home, regardless of the result by that stage, because it was incredible, wasn't it, really? When eight defenders, I counted there, when the set-piece was taken, uh, and one and a half, maybe, Luke Thomas was on the edge of the penalty box for Leicester City. One and a half Leicester City players, Kelechi Inacho obviously being the main man. And uh, and the goalkeeper on top, the goalkeeper, he, he could see more than anyone that Inacho hadn't been picked up because of his body shape and angle. And he did nothing to alert the defenders. And, and Byrne, who's six foot seven, you know, he's just left Ian Acho isolated. He couldn't believe his luck, could he, Kalechi? There, and you have to say, well spotted and good initiative by uh, Genghis Unda and and Yuri Tillemans in particular, you know, to take the quick corner because at that stage of the game, you think, well, okay, it's literally the last attack of the game. Let's make sure that it counts. Centre are slowly trudging up, and Leicester were just setting themselves. Under and Tillemans had different ideas, didn't they? And they'd seen that there was an opportunity, without a doubt. Got on the ball. Tillemans hasn't just put that ball into an area. He's picked Ianacho out. He couldn't believe how much room that his teammate had, but put it on a sixpence. And Kalechi did the rest with an, OK, simple enough, 
but uh, effective finish, you have to say. And everyone was pinching themselves a little bit. As I say, ever grateful that it was an extra time because it wasn't the most uh, exhilarating of games, was it? Well, that's another understatement, Matt. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we're both at it. (laughs) But um, ultimately, Leicester through to the the next round, aren't they? Job done. And with the changes that, that Brendan Rodgers made with personnel and system, I think all, con- all things considered, uh, Leicester City will think, you know, a job well done, won't they? And through to the uh, quarter-final stage and waiting on hearing what the draw is going to hold for them. Oh, absolutely. I'm, I must admit, I was thinking it was going to be a, a poor night all round, really. The way that the game was panning out, it looked like Brighton were going to be the most likely to score the winner. And then we saw James Justin stretch it off as well. And I thought, well, they're going to go out the FA Cup. Yeah. They're going to lose James Justin for the rest of the season. Then Kalecci comes along, scores that winner. And then we get the news after the game that James Justin isn't as bad as first feared. I mean, it looked pretty bad, didn't it? The way he landed on his on his knee. Nobody anywhere near him. Uh, straight away, I thought ACL. Um, but then, from what we've been told, Brendan Rogers said afterwards, the initial medical assessment is it's not a serious one, but they'll let it uh, settle down and assess it over uh, the next couple of days ahead of the game against Liverpool. I imagine he's a major doubt for Liverpool, but you never know with James Justin. He's had one of those phenomenal seasons. He could have a phenomenal recovery as well. I mean, he's been such an important player this season. Yeah, he certainly has. But you know, first and foremost, you. You hope it's nothing serious because not for his performances this season, you know, just him as an individual, you, you don't like seeing anyone suffer serious harm. And uh, that was the worst fear, wasn't it? <laughs> like you say, you go down with no one else around you. He didn't even seem to land awkwardly. The, the knee just sort of tweaked a bit. And Brendan Rogers described it as a pop in his knee. Yeah. I, mm. I still don't like the sound of that, if I'm honest. Um, you know, hopefully... Hopefully it is um, not as bad as possibly first feared. But I'm with you in in your assessment. You know, when you see innocuous incidents like that that cause a player who is, you know, in the prime of his game pretty much and he's not the type of player who would uh, exaggerate any injury that he's got. You know, he's quite a, a tough, unassuming lad gets on with his business and to see him, well, ultimately he was stretched off, wasn't he? And, you know, worrying times. But from from the assessment by the initial assessment by the medical staff and then subsequently to Brendan Rogers relaying um, his hopes of, of how the injury is, it, you know, it, it, it sounds hopeful. It sounds hopeful, doesn't it? Well, I just imagine the conditions last night were, you know, made the risk of injury, um, certainly soft tissue uh, injuries, more um, chronic, really, and 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 also the schedule this season. It's been unrelenting, and James Justin has played pretty much every game. Yeah. He's been an ever present. He's been a phenomenal performer for Leicester. Got to be in the consideration by Gareth Southgate for the England team as long as his injury is okay. But they don't want to lose any more players because they've already had so many injury problems already this season. But with those injuries and with players' absence, uh, that provides opportunities for some youngsters, Matt. And we saw a youngster yeah. make his debut last night, Vontae Daly-Campbell. 
young right back from London that's uh, been at the club a couple of years, left Arsenal. He, he was at Arsenal from the age of nine. I've done a piece that's on the Athletic site um, right now about him, uh, speaking to his former teacher in Brixton. Um, tough upbringing, quite a poor fa- family background and uh, he had great support from his uncle Nathan and his mum Anne and uh, played a lot of street football with his mates and uh, has come through the hard way really and uh, he left Arsenal 18 months ago and joined Leicester, spent over an hour in Brendan Rodgers' office talking about Leicester and Brendan knew everything about him but I think the the big turning point was when Colo Torre come in, put his hands on his shoulders and went oh he's a strong boy, let's have him and uh, that was it, it convinced him that he wanted to sign for, for Leicester City, I suppose you don't say no to Colo Torre do you and um, he, he's uh, he made his debut, I wondered what you, you, you made of him because I, th- I was quite impressed really, there was there was times when he looked like he was fatiguing and blowing a little bit because obviously it's a massive step up. But uh, overall, I thought I was quite impressed with him. Yeah, but what was his situation in regards to leaving Arsenal? Well, because I, I was aware, I was aware that he'd come from there, but I didn't know if he'd been bought. You know, because even at, at at that stage of the development, there are transfers or yeah you know, situation between clubs, or was he released? No, there was uh, there was contract talks, but uh, there wasn't a great amount of urgency on Arsenal's part at the time. And by the time they did come to the table with uh, some serious sort of uh, chat about a new deal, the lad had moved on and been speaking to a number of clubs. He'd had a lot of offers, about, I think about 30 clubs had made offers, not only in England, but in Germany as well. But um, it was Leicester that uh, stole the march on everybody else. And uh, I think it was Brendan's presentation to him and how he saw his development um, yeah. Which is all in the uh, in the article on the athletic site now that um, convinced him to to sign. So um, yeah, he signed a, a a deal with Leicester um, eighteen months ago, and uh, his progression in in this over the last twelve months has been very impressive. And he's been training with the first team squad now for about six months. Yeah, that, that's interesting. The reason I asked is you know you, you can see sort of traits of his possible character and makeup in that decision because it's easy for youngsters especially you know london based connected with a club like arsenal just to enjoy and like that association you know if there was any uh, capability of staying at arsenal a lot of players w- would do that um some would have aspirations of breaking into the first team whether they were realistic or not don't know but others would just like like the status uh, of being an arsenal player they can say it to people around them and you know, and, and enjoy enjoy what that brings them at that moment in time. But it looks like he, he's got a belief in himself, you know, to come up to Leicester from London and make the change. And uh, obviously impressed by what Brendan Rodgers say, said, and understandably so. And he's taken the plunge to a degree there, hasn't he? Because he's had to be quite patient to get any sort of involvement. I know he's, he's still relatively young, of course. But you know, people, football careers don't last that long, and you, perhaps perhaps players are more patient with the situation these days. But you, you want to be involved as soon as possible, and he's only been on the periphery of things, hasn't he? And because of the injury situation, all of a sudden, semi out the blue, handed an opportunity, and I thought he took it very well last night. I thought he he didn't look to me like he was a player making his debut. And I think that's quite a compliment to pay him, really. But going into a, an FA Cup fifth round, relatively high-profile game, if you were watching that from a neutral point of view, you wouldn't have picked him as a novice, would you? And I thought he applied himself very well. He's, 
Yeah, it, it, nice and safe and steady and secure. Very pacey, powerful, as you mentioned there, which has been recognised already, and he's you know, still got some development to go. A couple of times in the second half, yeah, maybe an element of a little bit of fatigue, a little bit of tiredness creeping in because he gave the ball away a little bit loose in possession. But he was quick to try and make amends and then he realised he sort of refocused himself and came on stronger again afterwards. So he can be very happy with his introduction and uh, he'll, be, uh, he'll be wanting more. <laughs> Wouldn't it? It'll whet the appetite for him. And who knows, we might have yet another top-class fallback on our hands at the club. Well, it's inspiring as well to the rest of the lads that have uh, been training with the first team as well. I mean, there was Sidney Tavares on the bench as well, and we've seen La Chabella uh, on the bench as well. And there's uh, been a couple of others that have been training uh, with the first team. Um, and that part of that might be to, to make up the numbers with so many players out injured or missing or having to recover during the games. But it's also not only just to, to make up the numbers, but for Brendan to have a closer look at some of these lads. And Stu James, my colleague, has written a, a fascinating piece uh, about what goes into the technical side of uh, training sessions at, at the elite level. And uh, one of the examples that um, Chris Davis, the assistant manager, made to Stu was Luke Thomas, how they didn't really notice Luke from his performances in the under-23s. But yeah. it was when he stepped up to train with the first team and they saw him close up on a daily basis that they realised his qualities. And obviously, since then, he's gone into the first team and, and settled right into the squad. So it, it, it's a, a, a different pathway, isn't it, really, from you know, just, just impressing in the under-23s, but to actually train with those first-team players and learn from them and impress the manager. It's key. Yeah, without a doubt. I think some managers and coaches you know, take more relevance from training than others. It's not a match day scenario but uh, you, you know you never know until you're you're put to that test but uh, obviously there are different ways to impress the 23 the development squad and then going out on loan or of course you know it's from a distance but up close and personal yeah everyday training especially as i'm sure is the case with a lot of clubs these days but certainly with leicester uh, it's much heralded to a degree about the the intensity of the training it, it not that short necessarily, but it's sharp, it's precise, and it it tries to replicate match day tempo as best it can. And to do that, and and to to flourish in the training, you need to be playing at a high level. It's not a case of going through the motions and you know, showing a little bit of ability every now and then. It's intense. It's part of the reason why players are able to spend a lot of time out of the first team without playing development stroke reserve games at all and then coming straight back into the fray and looking pretty much match fit. So if you can cope with them as a young player, then you catch the eye, don't you? Mm. And I think also it's good to introduce, interesting that you say Daley Campbell has been training for six months in and around the first team, albeit intermittently, because that will help him adjust uh, rather than coming from the development squad straight into the first team as a matter of urgency because of injuries, for instance. You're more comfortable with that. You feel part of the squad, you know, part of the environment and less pressure and apprehension going into the game. And I think that may well be a reason why Data Campbell, for instance, just slotted in there seamlessly last night, didn't he? He, he did better than I thought he was going to do. And uh, similar with Luke Thomas, when he's come in, he adapted well as well, didn't he? So uh, it's sensible thinking from my point of view, from Brendan Rodgers, you know, to involve 
these young players as much as you can within first team training. And I think it's very advantageous. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is supported by Season 3 of FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League 2 after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the city's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher division. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenges and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham. Premieres May 2nd on FX. Stream on Hulu. And the detail that goes into these training sessions, I mean, again, this is all in uh, Stu's uh, article, which is on the Athletic website right now. But uh, the detail, I mean, it's taken me nearly all morning just to read the article, let alone all the detail that uh, goes into the training sessions as well. It's um, Has it moved on that much, Matt? I mean, obviously, you have obviously trained at the top, top level and you've been a coach as well. Uh, how has it developed? How has that um, evolved for the, the, the detail that goes into these training sessions now? I would love to have the opportunity to go and, in fact, I might make a point of it when times change and you know, go and go and spectate and go and, and watch a few of the sessions to see exactly how it has moved on. I suppose it's sort of breaking it down into, into areas as well and being... Yeah, that's exactly know, it, Matt. He's breaking it down. specific yeah, I think these days. because There's a greater number of coaches and you've got more ability to, to section it and and break it down you know into defensive units for example you can certainly see the detail that's put into Leicester's game because uh, I was actually thinking it to myself uh, this morning as I was taking a little walk you know, about what a job that Brendan Rodgers has done to get because some of the even the top sides they tend to play one way and they struggle to play another it's either it, it, even even Liverpool you could say with that you know they play a certain way and then don't get me wrong, there is an element of flexibility. But if that doesn't work, then they can come up short a little bit. But I think Leicester have numerous ways of going about their business. We've seen them sitting deep in away games, playing on the counter and being successful. We've seen them pressing and harrying and hustling the other teams. And we've seen them control games with possession and striking when the moment was right. And to have that collective sort of, understanding and cohesion is as a result of some serious detailed coaching and the players to take it on board and I think that's really impressive and in different systems as well because we saw another one last night that was different back to a back three different personnel can come in and out as well in different areas as well there's a flexibility about be you know equally as effective not all the time it doesn't always come off and they don't always play well you watch them play there are many facets to their play isn't there 
Oh, absolutely. Um, and it has, you're right, the consistency in terms of performances and results. I mean, just one defeat in the last 13 games in all competitions as well that sort of bears that out. And this was the point last season where it all started to go really a bit inconsistent from them. But uh, at the moment, the signs are good that they can sustain this at, at, at the moment in time. And as we said at the top of the show, into the quarterfinals, the FA Cup, got a mouthwatery in Europa League tie against Slavia Prague coming up, starting this week, coming and they're in the, still in the top four in the Premier League. It's really exciting times for Leicester fans, isn't it? Oh, without a doubt, yeah. I mean, it's, it's incredible, really. You talk about inconsistent back in the last season. Yes, I totally t- you know, agree with that, take that on board. But the levels of their performance over, you know, since they won the title, really, OK, a bit of a dip the, the, the following year. But you know, that aside, it, it's been a pretty good level of performance, hasn't it, in terms of league positioning, etc., for a club the size of Leicester. And they look to be progressing, you know, literally week by week. Things can change very quickly, though. You know, mm. we, we know what it's like. Yeah. I don't know, say a defeat at the week weekend and, you know, and then things don't go so well in the Europa League and, I don't know, a tough draw and they come up short in the quarterfinal of the FA Cup. All of a sudden, people have... It'll be looking at the negative side of things. But as it stands, it looks very healthy, doesn't it? And regardless of if there were a couple of poor performances thrown in, the mix that meant them going out of two cup competitions in in not too distant future, then it's not the end of the world. You have to look at the bigger picture and how things are developing generally. And they certainly are with the club. Having said that, I think there will be a a real determination not to see a, a repeat of the semi-collapse, you have to say, that, that there was at the back end of the last campaign because they got themselves in such a great position. I don't know, were they a little bit naive? I don't see that happening. I don't see that happening this this time round. They've got more about them. You know, we talked about being able to play in different ways. That's certainly the case. And I think that will carry them through the back end of this season. I, I think I think they've, they've got enough within themselves to, to certainly make a better fist of it second time round in terms of that Champions League qualification attempt. Well, they've got a massive test. One of the biggest tests of the season coming up the weekend. Liverpool coming to King Power Stadium. I remember last season, the heavy defeat they uh, suffered against Liverpool at uh, on home yeah. soil. And that sort of kick-started the decline in many ways for the second half of the, the season last year. I know Liverpool are a different team this year. They're struggling to maintain that consistency, that level that um, saw them romp to the title last season. But they're still a phenomenal side and this is going to be a really big test for, Le- for Leicester. Oh, yeah, yeah, undoubtedly. I think that result and performance against Liverpool at the King Power, I, I think that was a bigger blow than probably was realised at the time because... For me, and it may be just subconsciously, it, it was almost as you know, Leicester were doing well in and around that period. And all right, they played Man City just before that as well, didn't they? Yeah, it was around the same time. Yeah, and came, came unstuck then. But there were aspirations, you know, of challenging for the title again against two quality sides, as we know, Man City and Liverpool. And maybe the players thought there was something in it. But going up against Liverpool and Man City in that period, it was a little bit of a, a reality check, I suppose. It seems a bit you know, easy to say that, but it was. It, it, I think it knocked them a little bit and they, they realised that they weren't quite at that level. They see how big the gap was. Now, I think that sort of damaged Leicester a little bit. I think that was part of the reason 
for their their fall away in form. But I think this this year, I think the gap has closed certainly, and the, I, I think the opportunity is there to you know to really go and challenge. I'd love to see them play their natural game, go and really test themselves, not try and contain and hang in there against Liverpool take the game to them. And I think if they can break through and have the confidence and poise enough to, to play through any sort of press and pressure from Liverpool and get at that back four, which we know is susceptible, and also they'll come and squeeze high and give opportunities for players you know, to get in behind, Vardy in particular, then I think you've really got, one, you've got a, a great game on your hands, and two, you've got a real opportunity to go and make a mark. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Have you got any fond memories of clashes with uh, Liverpool from your playing days, Matt? I mean, because they weren't the side then that they are now, although they were still very uh, uh, an attacking, attractive side. I mean, I remember the Spice Boys of the 90s and all that sort of stuff. But was there any moments that stick in your mind? Oh, I managed to score at Anfield, I'll have you know. It it wasn't quite as uh, as spectacular as it sounds because it's very early on in my career with Leicester. I played half a dozen games and I'd never played at Anfield before. I played against top-level teams for for Oxford and Scunthorpe (laughs) all those days ago in the cup competitions, but not in a fully-fledged Premier League fixture and Liverpool is the might of Liverpool as well wasn't it went up there and only had the temerity to score uh, Steve Guppy I think it was who produced a few of my assists uh, with my goals in Leicester <laughs> you won't be surprised to hear he whipped a ball in Phil Babb misjudged it and I was snuck in at the far post David James in goal and I was surprised myself to be honest yeah <laughs> made one nil I think we went on to win the game two nil but it was bit, not the cop end the opposite end but it was being redone and there was all cardboard cutouts, <laughs> a bit like now, actually, <laughs> with no supporters in, you know, and they have the fans painted on. And it was, I, I, I celebrated there, but all the Leicester fans were up the other end. and there, there was no sound at all whatsoever. Liverpool supporters were stunned. There was no one behind the goal. And I looked around and I'm thinking, I've scored it, I've scored it. I'm sure I have, I'm sure I have. I checked with the lines and no flag up. And then the players all jumped on me and descended and celebrated. And I realised the moment had sunk in. And then there was a distant sort of echoing roar from the Leicester supporters when the reality <laughs> had sunk in that we'd taken the lead against Liverpool. And uh, they weren't the side they are now, but they were still big opposition for us to be playing against, really. And uh, yeah, that was a wonderful moment for me against Liverpool. In fact, I think we won three out of the next four years up there at Anfield. Tony Cotley scored the, the winner one year, I think, or... Ian Marshall did as well. Graham Fenton. Phil Gilchrist even scored up there one year. You're right. They can't have been as good a side as they are these days if us not managed to turn them over. I bet it's Heskey when he joined Liverpool. I think we won that night. But Michael Owen, Robbie Fowler, Gerard McManaman, 
They had some decent players there in their time and uh, we're proud of that record we had against them over that, that period. Well, let's hope that uh, this current Leicester crop can revisit those glory days against uh, Liverpool this Saturday. Matt, thank you very much for joining us again on this week's show. Um, To all our listeners as well, thank you so much for tuning in to 5001 and join us again next week. Hopefully, we'll be chatting about a victory over Liverpool. The Athletic.